The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, your host, and today I have a wonderful guest with us. It is Sabu Mayapin. He is the CEO and founder of EC Site. Sabu, thanks for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Can't wait. Yeah, thank you, Cha. Thank you, Carrie. I'm super excited to be here with you, and thank you for the opportunity. I'm honored that you invited me to this talk, and looking forward to chatting with you. So I we spent some time together, and boy, I just could have talked to you for hours and hours and hours. But one thing that I was just really impressed with and is your story, right? Your story of how you got here. So can you share that with us? Sure, sure absolutely. I'd love to. So I, I studied my undergraduate in electronics in India. And then when I was working at an oil refinery as a trainee technician and doing you know control valves and things like that. And then I was thinking, what am I doing? And then I applied to come to the US. I got admitted in, into a master's in electrical engineering at Tennessee Tech in Cookville. And nobody in my family had ever set foot outside of the country, let alone outside of the state. Here I am, right, on a plane to America and came here to Tennessee, did my master's. I really enjoyed being in a really small university town and then learned a lot. And then I um, got a job at a company called VLSI Technology doing you know, microchips for what they a lot of gaming-related applications and things like that. This was in the early, early mid-90s. And I was working at a chip company, and I ended up going to some standards committees and whatnot. And at that time, I met people who were writing those standards, who were also teaching at Arizona State University. And they said, hey, can you, you know, you're, you seem to know what you're talking about. Can you come and teach a graduate course in VLSI design? And I, I did that for a couple of semesters, and I started liking this teaching. And I said, hey, how do I become a full professor here? And then they said that, hey, you need to get a PhD. Then I applied to Stanford and I got into Stanford to do a PhD program. So I progressively moved west and came to Stanford here. And I was still in my visa situation. So I was doing all of this part-time. I switched to Cisco, still doing a lot of chip design. You know, while at Stanford, there's some light bulbs went off saying, that I understand how to do chip design, but the things that I don't understand is the signal processing and communications. So I completely, I wouldn't say unlearned everything. You know, becoming an instrumentation engineer to a VLSI engineer, then I wanted to do study communication. So I started from literally communications 101 and picked up all of that. And then uh, out of Stanford, there was a startup that came out building MIMO chips. And you know, today, what we use MIMO everywhere, the origins of that, how do you build it into a consumer-grade chip was a big challenge at the time, both from a size, power consumption, and whatnot. And this company had an innovation to do that. And they called me to work with them on building that chip. The best of both worlds for me, it was communications, signal processing, and uh, VLSI uh, chip design. So I jumped ship and I went there and you know, worked there for a few years. We got acquired by uh, Qualcomm. And I was at uh, Qualcomm for a couple of years. You get these moments saying that, okay, I'm doing well, I'm enjoying this. 
but you know you don't like the status quo right i want to do something else uh, to sort of up the game and do different things so you know friends of the bay area is just full of entrepreneurs thinking about uh, wanting to do a, a lot of things and you know a couple of my social friends you know i don't drink uh, beer we're just drinking something said hey let's go figure out uh, to do something and then by then i had gotten a masters another masters out of stanford and my friends were also in the tech field but one of them was a business major and they said that, okay let's form a company and then let's go solve some problem that is meaningful and decided to form this company called nextnav it used to be called comlabs and then we started this company called nextnav and what nextnav did was a very important uh, problem is to solve indoor location for different use cases right but primarily for public safety right when you are in a building and you call 911 it's very difficult to locate you because the cell phones don't give you accurate location so we wanted to solve that problem you know long story short after 12 years of work at nextnav you know nextnav's technology today is used in all the phones in the us with all the carriers for all public safety applications today right and there's a lot of commercial use cases and what not and that was my story coming up to nextnav and while again you know while at nextnav i've always been you know, on the technology side so we were deploying all these beacons gps related beacons on on uh, cell towers and i found out that deployment process was just painful broken a lot of error prone manual stuff and i was like thinking oh my god what is this <laughs> we're living in this 5g 6g world but people are still doing stuff manually and i just couldn't uh, and it affected us nextnav significantly because you know we would collect all of this data manually and then go to the field and find out that things were just wrong which meant that we had to do another truck roll another tower climb sometimes even cranes and that took time and then I, you know i wanted to automate that and we tried a few things at nextnav which worked really well and that is when i saw the business opportunity to sort of build and go digitally transform what happens in the field in telecom and that was the birth of ec site so that's sort of where my journey was you know starting from india and and going through all these gyrations of reinventing myself times over to figure out what next can challenge me i love it you told me you said what is the next big problem to solve that's where yeah. you're you know you kept thinking that over and over and over and i just think that is the, the brilliant mind of an of an entrepreneur right so what problems does ac site so by the way on this problem solving you really don't have to think long and deep to solve problems or to find problems because the problems are around you every day right you walk up to starbucks and say why can't this be automated for example right i mean there's so many things that could be automated so that's how i think about it and so with the ec site the mission of ec site is to automate everything that happens in the field right i mean today if you look at it you know factories are pretty well automated you know there's a lot of robots if you look at an amazon warehouse everything is automated but when it goes to field and there's technicians involved having to do the work and things like that the automation is not as prevalent right and i saw this firsthand while building out the nextnav beacons on cell towers that they collecting and and is a lot of this is mission critical data right how does this, a radio on a cell tower work how does an antenna work and they're using that to provision the site and commission the site but the data is still collected manually there's a lot of you know fudging delays all kinds of things right so in order to automate what are, what i would call mission critical data collection ec site built a software platform to be able to automate the data collection in the field right and we try to leave no stone unturned 
And, uh, you know, the, the most difficult parts, this mission critical data collection with test equipment. I know you deal a lot with uh, workforce carry. The talent pool is becoming uh, scarce. I mean, it's more the knowledge required to operate these things are getting more and more complex. So how do you abstract that with an app in the field that we can automate and you still do have all the test equipment? We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here, but still have software to help automation in the field and in factories. And that's sort of where we are after. And, and if you look at it, the opportunity is pretty large from a wireless space, wireline space, where all the fiber deployments are happening, data centers. So there's a lot of opportunity. EC side builds automation software with a field-first approach that helps collect this data and you know push it into the cloud and generate all kinds of reports. So I want to really dig into the product a little bit later, but you started in wireless. What yeah. are the verticals do you serve now? So we still primarily serve wireless, but because we're doing test automation with test equipment, we one of our customers was doing wireless deployments, also had a manufacturing line. So they pulled us into manufacturing and said, hey, can you automate this manufacturing line for us where there's a lot of test automation? So today we, and then, and then that, uh, you know, ballooned into other opportunities within the manufacturing line. So today we serve the wireless field services business and also a manufacturing line as well. And we have, and as you said, we'll talk about a little bit more. There's a lot more opportunities in the data centers and whatnot that we have not even touched, but the platform can serve all of those needs. So you mentioned automation quite a bit, actually. I mean, can everything be automated? Everything? Yeah. How in the world is this possible? That's right. It's a philosophical question. You know, I look at it today, sometimes it's just goosebumps to think that they can take off a rocket and land it exactly where they want today, right? And that's automation. I couldn't imagine that happened in our lifetime. So automation of just about anything is possible. It is a mindset and the tools are available. I mean, we're talking AI to do a lot of things. In my opinion, there's nothing that cannot be automated. And like I said, it's a mindset, right? You have to think about it as, okay, why should I repeat this? Like you do it once and then you shouldn't have to repeat. And with that, there's definitely tools and capabilities and talent pool available today to make any automation work. How is automation going to affect the workforce the way you see it? Yeah. So, I, know, I know there's a lot of fear out there and right. uncertainty and AI and all this conversation, but how do you see this? Yeah. So there's always this uh, fear carry, right? And without automation, we wouldn't be enjoying the lifestyle that we have today, right? I'll say a very, very simple, relatable example is the ATM machines, right? And machines, I mean, originally there was a teller in the bank was just giving you money, right? And now, I mean, nobody wants to go into the bank to draw money. They just want to go to the ATM and draw the money and come out, right? And so similar to that, right, is just, you know, certain mundane things have to be automated. And, uh, you know, I always think about it as automate the mundane, elevate the human, right? And we can do much better things, right? And, you know, now you only go to the bank when you really need to see a human to do certain things and solve, resolve issues. So you really want them to be, the communication force, people that deal with customers who have challenges and stuff like that. But other than that, all the mundane stuff should be automated. And what has um, any of this automation, whether we are flying cars or self-driving cars or warehouses, when you start doing things at scale through automation, it definitely opens up a lot of job opportunities. I think opens people's minds up to do certain things, right? I will say I am a good example to say, if I'm inspired by the rockets being landing at the same place, then I think that, hey, whatever I'm doing is, should be child's play 
and we should be able to automate this. And this is creating more jobs and efficiencies of a lot of things that we're doing, Carrie, today, the jobs that people don't want to do, right? It's like they don't want to sit and fill out a spreadsheet with 10,000 rows and columns to get paid, right? And uh, we are saying that you collect the data, everything goes to the cloud, the reports get generated automatically and get paid immediately. There's no need for human reviews. That's what, like I said, it's automating the mundane and making people more efficient, right? So that's how I look at it. And people have generally have embraced automation at scale, right? And it would only make sense now, like you said, that there's more jobs, right? Yeah. But there's reskilling, there's upskilling, there's, I mean, tomorrow I'm going to be 56 years old and uh, proud of it. <laughs> but, you know, like someone my age, right? Thinking yeah. of, okay, I need to learn this. I need to up-level my skills and in order to take advantage of these new jobs and these new opportunities. So we need to have an open mind, right? Not be afraid of it, but have an open mind, go back to school. I mean, get enrolled in classes. I know I'm learning a ton about technology right now and AI and really up-leveling it. So, I mean, would you say that's where what we need to do as humans, right? Elevating the humans, we need to elevate ourselves. That's right. And yeah, continuous learning, right? You just have to keep reading and just tell yourself, I'll read one article a day. That's all you need to do. Right. And one article, spend seven minutes, eight minutes reading one article and absorb the material. Then automatically you, you learn more. Like I said, as you correctly said, as a mindset, right? I want to be able to do better things with my time. Right. And then that's what it is. And yes. That's, yes. Great. Yeah. That's great. Thank yeah, you. I agree. Yeah. So let's go back to EC site. Yeah. Let's get into it. Describe the details. How does it work? How does it benefit a company, field workers? And also, I know this is a lot of questions at once, but how is it going to revolutionize the industry? Right. A good question, uh, Carrie. So I'll get into the product a little bit. To, it'll be a technologically inclined, so I will get into the weeds a little bit to explain some of this as well. So, and I'll just stick to the wireless industry, and, and since this is a 5G tech talk. So today, when you build a cell tower or a DAS site, there is a design document, right? And there's a design document, there is a statement of work, and uh, all of this gets shared in PDF documents or some electronic form. And the statement of work is, is a Word document and people try to understand, interpret. And the background of all of this is that there is a test plan, there's a procedure, the what they call MOPs, right? Method of procedures, right? So all of this is in different documents. And you know, how many people really read through in enough detail to read these documents? And that has to get pushed all the way to the field worker to for them to do a good job. If it goes to a field worker, then otherwise you have a foreman, you have a supervisor, you have, have an engineer who's reviewing all of this as well, right? So we start from there, right? We take all of these input documents and uh, digitize it, right? And, you know, I'll say digitally digest it and put everything into the cloud. In a way, it becomes an executable document, right? If I say, here is a cable, here is an antenna in the alpha sector, and I know this antenna is a JMA antenna, for example. I know what the manufacturer is, what ports are there, and what frequencies they're compliant with. And the technicians should know to some extent, but at the same time, they don't need to know all the body details. What is the specific characteristic of a port of an antenna? They don't need to know that, right? So we try to abstract. So from the materials, from the design documents, from the statement of work, we pull all that information, we digitally digest it, ingest it into the cloud, and create workflows that are customized for that specific site. Right. So then what happens is it's not a generic document anymore, generic procedure anymore. All the intelligence is in the software to be able to create these workflows. So when a technician goes to the job site, 
uses a mobile phone to pull all this information from the cloud, right? They just say, log in into EC site, press, they log in as themselves. They'll have the sites assigned to them. They pick the site. It tells them exactly what the statement of work is from a workflow perspective for the field, right? And then they click through the buttons on the app to do all the tasks. And it doesn't feel like you're clicking through the buttons for the sake of filling out certain forms and things like that. It just becomes part of your workflow because I do need to test this antenna port. So then what what happens with the software on the mobile phone is that we talk to test equipment, right? So the app then sets the parameters for the test equipment and says, you're now testing you know, port F1 on uh, this antenna and alpha sector. These are the frequencies that it needs to be compliant with. So it'll set those frequencies. And otherwise, people are punching numbers on the Andritsu equipment, for example, or KLS equipment. And, you know, they could be in a sunlight, on a crane, or on a tower. So you know, a lot of mistakes could be made. And the app sort of abstracts all of this out, and it tells them what to do. And they will connect the cable. The app will run the test and uh, collect the trace in all the scientific information from the test equipment. And then it'll also say, hey, from a closeout perspective, I need a front and back uh, picture and show the weatherproofing. And so they just take those pictures for proof of work. And then everything goes back to the cloud. And once you sync back to the cloud, then you will be able to you know, populate dashboards and uh, trackers and, and whatnot. So they're able to see exactly what's going on in the field without having to go visit the job site. And we support all kinds of 360 cameras and, and whatnot to be able to visualize as much as they can remotely. And then we can generate what is called this closeout packages that automatically gets generated and it's a surprising carry that every market, every carrier has different requirements for closeout packages. I always joke saying that there's as many closeout package formats as RF engineers in the room. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and you, you have to sit there and formulate all of these things. And then once we create a template, it's automatically generated. But and then this comes in a full cycle. Right? And we take that data, put it back into wherever the design document came from to say there is an as built here as well. Right. And because today as-built documentation is very sparse and they don't, people are, they've gotten paid and so they move on to the next project with the closeout packages and, and then they don't necessarily have time to do the as-builds and whatnot. So we're trying to make a full cycle, life cycle of the data collection to make sure it is all there. And as a part of this, uh, Kerry, I'm just talking about how we're automating what happens today in the field. But my thought process with this is all of this process is all outdated in general, Right. We're just complying for the sake of complying. And we're using 2022 technology with AI and everything to generate 1990s uh, spreadsheets. And those get distributed through SharePoint folders and whatnot. And I just hate it, right? It's just, I just don't like to see all of this happening in the industry because this creates data silos when people don't look at these spreadsheets. Only when there's a problem, there's look at it. By then the guys, are, the field crews have moved on. And we really want all of this to be API-driven. All the systems should talk to each other. You should be able to query the data anytime you want. And all of this should be self-alerting. So that's how I see how all of this should evolve to. But we have to start from the grassroots to make sure that the data is collected correctly, which is what ECZ is trying to do today. You're a visionary. You really are. I'm just going to call you one Thank right you. now. But I want to know what's next. What's next for you? What do you see that is possible. And again, it could be this industry, it could be something else. I mean, you mentioned flying cars. I mean, just I want to get into your head a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, thank you. First of all, just looking at this industry itself, right? 
I would really like to break all these data silos. And all these systems should be able to talk to each other. And, and we work with a lot of our partners. And you know, we don't try to boil the ocean ourselves. But the ocean could be boiled if you ask me, right? And how do you boil it? You have to boil it all uh, together. And we're working with partners and integrators to, to be able to make all of this work. So, so breaking the data silos means that collecting all of those data correctly. So I always encourage people to say, hey, don't use my app, right? I'm not trying to sell you this, but just think about collecting this data in an organized, methodical way, right? And there's enough opportunities to be had. But overall, the long-term vision, I think, Terry, is that this going back to sites over and over again just to fix problems. And if there's an upgrade, I understand, right? But if there's just, you know, they didn't do a good job or things were missed and all of that. So those go-backs should be avoided. And if I really think about it, I would rather build a tower climbing robot that would be used for periodic maintenance, right? I mean, if those robots can do all kinds of fancy things at factories, all we have to do is climb and check the torque, all the ports, for example. Is there a weather seal on all the ports, right? And so those are simple things that these robots should be able to do. And I think at least, and towers are not going to go away anywhere, right, from uh, from all the things that we want to do indoors and whatnot. And so they, we should be building tower climbing robots, right? And as one of the things that I talk about, and on the on a related topic for you is, again, elevating the human. I think we should abstract as much information as possible in a way that people develop specific skills to do certain things, and they're able to do those, and also allows them to do to go deep into certain things with a broad-based skill, right? So I don't have to say, Hey, today I'm coding in Python, so I have to take a course in Python. Tomorrow I have to code in JavaScript. I have to take a course in JavaScript. It should not be like that. I should be able to switch from one to the other with the levels of abstraction. I'm just giving an example where, you know, how we really have to become broad-based and how uh, an automation can help us get there, right? Mm. On, on a related note, I would also say the way we're doing, you know, contracts and things like that, all has to evolve to smart contracts with blockchains, right? And, you know, we're, I mean, today you're in this industry, carry, right? I know how difficult it is to get paid on time, even if you fulfill the contract and, and whatnot, right? If you did your job and if you met the metrics, then why not get paid immediately, right? It can be net 45, I don't care, but I want to get paid, right? Just because of some whim of some people who are accepting this, just gets payments, gets delayed for whatever reason, and I really think that, you know, I know crypto is not the best word to talk about in general, but, you know, blockchain is here to say the ledgers and contracts will also evolve and people will transact through smart contracts is where I see. When you said robots that climb towers, I just pictured now the tower tech can stand on the ground, which is safer for them, if he, he or she, yeah. and then they can operate this robot, right? And have, that's cool. No, I, well. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love and it. It's also sustainable, right? Uh, one of the operators uh, mentioned that just last year alone, they drove about 11 times to the moon and back just in the Pacific Northwest for tower maintenance. What? That's how much driving that they've done, right? Imagine the uh, amount of uh, gas and workforce and, and whatnot uh, that they've spent on the amount of uh, climbing that they had to do, amount of driving, but all it is for was a small inspection, Right. So these, you know, small scale, I think this will help the planet to be a lot more sustainable and get to net zero as well. That's a, I mean, we really have to think about for our future, for our children, how is net zero, how do we evolve all of this into a net zero? Another purpose of the automation as well. I'd like your thoughts on, on AI, on generative AI. Yeah. How do you think that generative AI will help the telecom industry specifically? Very interesting question. 
from having being in the bay area right now it's just generative ai is like super hot everybody is uh, they're talking about generative ai and I, i also didn't talk too much about ai in my vision because i think ai is going to be a part of all the work that we do under the hood right it may not be obvious to you what ai is doing but a lot of it is under the hood right and where i see is that today the generative ai has a lot of different use cases one is in context i want help then today we have to pick up the phone and ask somebody and even for me how to operate this test equipment i want to be able to have all the manuals for the test equipment and say i am in this step what is my next step right and we should be able to answer all of those kinds of things so this next word problem is an interesting problem from that use case the other thing is that i was talking to you about data silos right data silos are there because certain software tools that do certain things and they push it into a database right now for somebody to take all of this data and create a master database and then query is all painful right so really generative ai is going to help break these data silos i can bring four three or four databases and tell generative ai hey you have access to these four databases now tell me how is this design related to failures here is there any correlation that you see so that'll be a good way to bring all of them together and say that i can answer questions about my data i also say that the dashboards are people use dashboards today for a lot of their you know, task tracking and stuff like that the days of the dashboards are numbered that it will because you see dashboards are static in some sense if carry likes a certain feel of a dashboard you know subu may not like uh, the same feel may have different questions but i want to ask questions to my data right and i want to with all my databases so generative ai will have a role there because just to sort of in, in summary generative ai will help with all this uh, data analysis in a big way for tech help and what not uh, from a uh, you know understanding manuals and procedures and steps but i also think apps will also go away eventually you know you'll just have a phone which says hey i want to do this and it'll do it through generative ai is how i see that it'll evolve we're going from a big screen with thousands of icons i think we'll end up with one screen where we can read a lot more with one icon which says do this it becomes a true personal digital assistant uh, over time so you are leading the charge here I am fine. <laughs> I am excited to see what's next and follow your life, right? And learn from you. So Likewise, uh, you do fantastic work both uh, you know on on work front and non-profit and what not. I'm inspired whenever I talk to you and and see you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where can we learn more about EC site? Yeah, so our website is www.ecsiteapp.com. I started blogging recently carry on on technical topics. and uh, you know right this whole cband deployment has been a big challenge in the das industry and i saw some of these problems and again repeated uh, problems over and over again so i said okay let me write something up about it and uh, now i have committed to write an article at least once every month to put something out there and it's all about again like i said a lot of it is about the data that we have and we use that data to sort of help the industry in a way that it makes sense so yeah so our website is a great place I see a podcast in your future. I think okay. that's I think it's perfect for you. You need to be a podcaster. <laughs> I will uh, yeah, I know I'm I've always been a guest and I'd like to learn from you and see how uh, we can do this. Let's do it. So look, we dress the same today. We both are in yeah, the exact yeah. same color of blue. So yeah. I'm wearing your logo colors and you're wearing mine. This is yeah. a, a match made in heaven. Subu, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is enlightening. I always learn so much from you and maybe we can do this again. 
next year and see where you are and where the industry is. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Really appreciate having, having me on the show here. Of course. Take care. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.